This is the Winning Plays Podcast on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider for the NBA's winningest franchise. Welcome back to the Winning Plays Podcast with Brian Robb and Michael Pina. I'm Rich Wait, Levine. what? Who? He's back, ladies and gentlemen. Mike, what's going on, dude? Nice to see you. This is a true treat. I got the uh, the bat signal from B-Rob in text message form, and I raced over to my living room, opened up the laptop, and now I see both of your pretty faces. It's wonderful. It's beautiful. It's, it's Friday afternoon. The Celtics are your eighth seed in the Eastern Conference behind the Hornets, the Knicks, and the Hawks. 23 and 25, four and eight since the All-Star break. Uh, and related news, we are discussing panic. <laughs> We're going to take, take the temperature, everyone's panic meter. Uh, and try to, I, I guess, try to make some sense. I know, Mike, you have a, you have a, a piece coming up on SI today, right? Friday afternoon. Is that when it's coming up? Correct. Yes. Sort of assessing some random questions. I think that's the that's really the only way to to think about this because it's just like a random hodgepodge there, of disaster. There's layers. There's layers here. I feel like. Yeah. So the best way to to go into it is just 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 close your eyes and start flailing your arms and maybe you hit something that makes sense. But yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna talk talk panic and how, B-Rob, How do you want to do this? So. 10 is like 10 on the panic meter is like Danny Ainge is going to step down. Tatum's going to demand a trade. Brad's going to take a college yes. job. Yeah. Right. Like that's, that, that's the worst case scenario. And like, is, is a one or a zero? Like I still think these guys might contend this season or yeah, are we, I think one is like this team is going to get to the Eastern conference finals and like make a good run. Like, but, but, but ultimately falling short with the talent level they have. Um, yeah, that's how I assess like what the, you know, one is like, you know, they're they're going to go on a hell of a run the last 24 games. So on that note, I guess I'll start with you, Rich. Like where where do you stand inside as the, I wouldn't say you're generally more optimistic than at least the, the recent yes. participants on this on this podcast. Um, I think, I, think I'll, I, I also spend the, the least amount of time on Twitter. So I think that might, that might be related in some way, shape, yeah, or form. No, no. Me and Ryan, I think, have been... <laughs> well, Ryan, that, certainly. Well, Ryan, Ryan's, Ryan's been at the, the far end of the spectrum, which, but I think that's where he's in a spot where a lot of fans are. I think he's in like the majority of the fan base right now of where, you know, closer year, you're probably in the, the six, seven, eight range of him. Um, I'm probably six in terms of where things are at right now. So Rick, where, where, where you are in this, uh, in this landscape? Well, yeah, I, I was going to say six two, And I think the biggest reason is, and I don't want to say I'm losing faith in Danny Ange. I just think that there's a certain way that the Celtics went about building their team in the past about flexibility, about not overreacting, about not bringing in guys that, that are rentals. Right. That, that was something that, that, that they stayed stood true to for years and years and years I think slowly but surely, we're just seeing them start to trickle away from sort of the the tenets of how Danny Ainge puts together a team. And I'm not sure why. I don't. I don't think. I'm, I, maybe Danny's the only one to answer that. But I don't love the situation that they're in, and I just don't think that they've made the moves recently that gives them the flexibility necessary. Okay, there's always the hail mary, right? It's not impossible for Danny to turn this around. I just think the way things are going, I'm 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 not quite as optimistic that that he can pull through on this. So. I, just to start the conversation, I'm going to say a six. All right, let's mm-hmm. Michael Pina coming in fresh. This is well. First of all, I think this is your first in-season appearance this year, so I think is that right? Really? How, much, how much? I think no, it is. I think no. I mean, we'll have to go back and check that, but I'm pretty sure 
we did a bunch in the off season, but I mean, you've been obviously grinding away open floor a couple of days a week and coming at SI. So like, we'll have to talk, but we'll say this for the end of the podcast. How much of the blame for the season goes to Pina for just, Oh yeah. Uh, I was going to say, is that a veiled shot? But no, yeah, you just, so that, you just, you no, just took it just, out. Yeah. yeah. But, um, but Mike, from the, from the national perspective, uh, where, where, where is your, your, your panic level in terms of where this team is at right now? First of all, I'm offended that you would say from the national perspective, I'm, I'm a green beer swigging, uh, diehard over here. I'm, <laughs> you know, um, no, I, I, I am on Twitter a lot, um, for work and for play there's for play yes exactly <laughs> um i'm not you know i listen to um ryan who is just like super smart about all this and um, head of the curve has yeah has uh, a really great perspective um i personally disagreed a little bit um in the with the uh post trade deadline episode where he poured gasoline all over the organization and lit a match. <laughs> I, I, uh, I, I would say like if I were to put a number to it, I'm, I'm at a four. And my, my reason for that is like, I kind of look at a lot of what we see this season through the lens of this is the most random NBA season in NBA history because of uh, COVID and playing through a pandemic, health and safety protocols, the night-to-night inconsistency that teams have to go through. The Celtics have had lost more games to COVID than um, any other team in the league. And like, so when I look at it big picture, I am able to kind of see that this season is just, it's, it's extremely, every season is its own season, obviously, in its own case. But uh, this one is just particularly isolated and removed from the others. And in general, I look at the regular season and the playoffs as two separate um, challenges and teams that are really good in the regular season might struggle in the playoffs teams that are, uh, you know, not great in the regular season um, might be great in the playoffs just based on how they're constructed and how flexible they can be and their talent level. Cause I think a lot of those things matter more um, in the playoffs when you're playing the same team in a seven game series, as opposed to just kind of flying into Milwaukee one night and then taking a bus to Chicago the next night. And um, so that's kind of where I come with the Celtics where I kind of see them as like, you know, now that the dual big lineup that, was so terrible for most of the season is gone because Daniel Tice has been traded. And I, I personally think that Tristan Thompson might be just out of the rotation for the rest of the season. He might come back if someone gets hurt, but yeah, because Luke Cornett's going to like unseat him. Apparently Luke Cornett is, I mean, yeah, yeah I don't even have a comp for him. He's like it, making a hall of fame case. George Mikan. I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like, I don't know. Like, I, you know, if I, I see them playing a lot of more of Grant Williams at the five, I liked the lineup that they played at the end of the Mavs game with, I guess, I don't even know who's the five, I guess Tatum's the five. It's just the five best players on the team are just kind of out there. Um, and 
Rob Williams is going to play a lot of minutes and I kind of like that for the long term. Um, so that, that was like one of my bigger concerns with just how they were playing, particularly on offense. We're not going to see those lineups anymore, which makes me happy. They're shooting a lot more threes since the all-star break. You know, they ranked 20th, I think in three point rate before the all-star break, they're up to sixth. Now they're up 7%. Um, so taking more threes is, is good. Just like talking about this season. Um, and I don't know, Kemba's kind of trending. I know he's, we can talk about Kemba for like a whole episode and like his situation is, is kind of its own crisis, but he's at least, at least he's a, a serviceable NBA player at this point. You know what I mean? At the very least you can take that short, short term, uh, pleasure and seeing yeah. him play all right when he's actually out there. Yeah, and I try to view things like it's it's hard, but I, I try to disentangle his production from his contract, which you can't really do. But when you do, it's like, OK, he's not that bad at basketball and their offense is still better when he's on the floor and he's still able to get by his man without a screen. And the high pick and roll isn't as effective as it was last year, but it's still pretty good. Um so I don't know, like I could see them be, like if they were in a seven game series in the first round against the Philadelphia 76ers, it would not stun me if they beat the Philadelphia 76ers. Like that's basically where I am with this team right yeah. now. Well, let's put it this way then for to to pull it back. And I agree. I mean, this is I think your case there of the four of like this is an unprecedented season of COVID like, you know, that the I think the Celtics have had more COVID cases than any team in the league, period. And then uh, on top of everyone, a bunch of guys that have to, to deal with contact tracing. So, so how, do, how do they measure that just by people who actually have tested positive? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of my I've I know they've lost the mo- I've I forget who tweeted this out, but they've lost the most mandates to health and safety protocols um, on the team. But then you just go through the players on the team like Tatum had it. Rob Williams had it. Langford had it. Tristan Thompson has it right now. Did they ever come out and say that Romeo tested positive? He it was acknowledged by an assistant coach in a Joe Mazzula in a Globe article this week. Okay. Um, I think, and it's like they're not going to officially confirm stuff, but like if a guy's out for 14 days, we can make you know contact tracing is seven days. If you're out 14 days and then you have to go through conditioning stuff and the cardiac stuff, you can put two and two together. Like mm-hmm. so, but but big picture guys, like what you know, putting that stuff aside, looking at just like the team and where things are at right now, like where, what's the most concerning thing to you for like the long term, knowing that this season might be a wash because of the COVID factor and, you know, not having any kind of continuity and, you know, not replacing Gordon Hayward until, you know, a couple of days ago. Um, yeah, my, where, my, where, where do you con- look? my biggest concern is that they very clearly need at least one, one more very good player. And I don't know how they're going to get him <laughs> anymore. It's the NBA. Crazy things happen, right? You never know who's going to be on, on the block like tomorrow. But when you look around, they always had this treasure trove of, of assets that like, you're like, okay, when this, when this, when this, when player X comes up, we know that Danny's going to be right there uh, with one of the top bids. And I just don't know if that's the case anymore. Actually, I'm pretty sure that's not. Unless you get, because, all right, maybe trading chem is going to be necessary, but that's not going to bring you the guy you need. And then you get into a situation where you're going to have to talk about maybe j- trading Jalen or, or, or something, doing something drastic like that. And, and so that, that's the biggest issue for me. 
needing players, not having the assets to acquire them. Hmm. I, 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 I guess I'm just like, I, I agree with your point. Um, I think it's going to be a little, it's going to be tricky to add talent from the outside and they do have all their own first round picks going forward, which is nice. They didn't give up one at this deadline, which is another reason why I wasn't like panicking over the Fournier trade. Like didn't really give up anything. I mean, the opportunity cost of the tra- using a good chunk of your trade exception is a bummer, but they still have some of that left over as well. So um, we'll see what happens there. But like, yeah, you need a lot of things to go your way. You need further uh, you know, internal development from Tatum who and Tatum and Jalen who are, I mean, they're ascending still, which gives me personally optimism about the team's future, short-term future. Um, I think what really, I mean, like you're betting on Neesmith and you're betting on Romeo Langford and you're betting on Rob Williams uh, to make leaps going forward to either help the team outright or become valuable trade assets. And like, we'll see what happens. I, I mean, that's kind of where the, we're like, already kind of seeing what happens though. When like RJ Hampton goes is more valuable than those guys. And that's why the nuggets got Aaron Gordon. Yeah. Um, I do think like, you know, I mean, who's going to trade for Romeo Langford when he's just hasn't played, like no one knows what he is really, and he can't stay healthy. And you know, and no, you, no one knows you, what RJ Hampton is either. But except that he has higher up upside. I mean, again, we no one knows this for sure, but Orlando clearly likes him more than any of the yeah. But like, prospects. I'm not like I don't really care that much. Like that's one front office's opinion. Right. And they also got a first round pick out of it. And the Celtics, I don't think we're willing to give their 2025 first round pick for Aaron Gordon. I, I don't know what their exact offer was, but I don't think they were. So that's a factor too. Um, but like, I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you're on these young guys to develop. And if you have faith in that happening in the culture that the Celtics have uh displayed over the past few years when they made the Eastern conference finals three times out of four seasons or whatever it was. And, you know, the, I think the, the, the growth that they've shown record wise and in different areas of, of how they play since Brad Stevens has been the head coach. And you just kind of hope that that tre- continues to trend and that this season was an aberration and that the Kyrie season was an aberration. <laughs> um <laughs> Wait, yeah. two aberrations in three years. <laughs> that, that, that's when you're getting into trouble right now. Now you're like, that's right. No, flag. yeah, no, I, but I, I, I know I'm like, I'm, I'm really looking at it glass half full, but there is for sure like reason to be alarmed, particularly when you look around the conference and like the Nets are just so good. They're like a powerhouse. So you have to get through them. You know, you spend all this time trying to get through LeBron. He goes to the Western Conference and then Kevin Durant and, you lose Kyrie Irving and James Harden comes to, so like that's tough. And you're going to have to deal with that for the foreseeable future. Um, I don't know. Like, I don't know what, what you like. They, need, they need another star. They really do. I th- that's what I think it, it, it comes down to. Yeah. Right? So, like, I, 
you can get far, you can get far. Like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown can carry you in the playoffs so far, right? They can, they can get you to the, to the conference finals, but when it comes down to it, that's where you said, that's where you need those secondary players. That's like where you need Kemba to be playing pretty close to all-star level. You need Rob, you need Rob to, to keep maturing and evolving the way he is. I mean, he's a game changer already, but you need it more. You need, you need at least one of Romeo and Neesmith. You got to keep going. Uh, but real quick, B-Rob, speaking of betting on, on young players to develop, uh, bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. Bet online even covers awards, TV shows, reality TV, real-time updated odds and props and almost anything you can imagine. Bet online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today. Receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Uh, don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code CLNS50 to receive 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Uh, B-Rob, what was the line? Did, did, did Vegas have Pina making his season debut before Romeo? Is that an upset <laughs> in, the, in Vegas? I don't know. I think, that was, I think it was even money. I'm glad that I, that I bet on Mike. Yeah, this is, you bet smart there. It's, yeah. This is what turns around the season here. It's, it's not going to be Langford. It's <laughs> going to be Michael today. It starts tonight against the Houston Rockets. Um, That's so we're having this conversation. Yeah, before the Rockets game. Uh, there's not, not much to gain from a victory. Just maybe right the ship a little bit. But shit, like. But if, a uh, lot. <laughs> oh, Linux can go for 30. And that's all they are going to lose. Oh, shit, I forgot about Kelly on Houston now. Yeah. Uh, B-Rob, what do you think the uh, uh, win the splits, win losses splits this year? Uh, three point percentage. What are the Celtics shooting in wins versus what are they shooting in losses? Any guesses? I know it has to be drastic because I looked up pretty much the Celtics live and die of the three this year in these games. And so I'm going to guess like they're shooting 40% or 39% wins and 30% in losses. Let's, let's go with that. Pretty close. It plus or minus two. Forty-two percent in wins and thirty-two percent in losses. And when you and when you talk about this team being in the most close games of any NBA team this season, obviously having I think the worst record in close games or whatever they call it, clutch games, clutch clutch moments. Yep. Um, you know that's and when you when you talk about the fact that they are I think one and a half games back of still having home court advantage in the playoffs and the four seed, that's where maybe uh, on the on the flip side this could maybe turn around. A little faster than than we expect. And again, we're, they're they're not they're not in the conversation with Milwaukee, Philly, um, and Brooklyn this year. But in terms of saving face a little bit and not like flirting with the playing game, maybe uh, that's a, a point of potential optimism. Also, real quick, uh, and so they've lost twenty five games, one twenty three, and those two extra losses, they've been called for 59 more fouls. Mm. Yeah, I mean, looking at I guess my biggest panic point from the season for big picture is the defense because that's something where there's not like a solution that's like internal, like easy, like, yeah, Romeo Langford would help. Um, but you look Mar- at the Marcus isn't right either. Marcus. Yeah. Marcus smart has been bad on defense for him. Like he's, which is still like a good defender, but like, he has been nothing close to an all NBA defender this year. And you look on top of that, like around the rest of the lineup, like Kemba getting worse. Tristan Thompson, not the defender we thought he would be when he got here. 
Um, you traded away Tice, who, again, was your most mobile defender. Rob Williams still has a long way to go defensively, despite the, the energy he brings. So I'm not sure, Rich, like where – and you, you talked about, like, whether you need another star or not. Like, is is this team's core good enough defensively to, like, to go toe-to-toe of these offensive juggernauts? And th- my answer right now, based on the first 50 games, is, is, a, is a hard no. I think that's fair. The so the the defense. Yeah. Um it's bad. Yeah, it's been bad. Um absolutely. I think you know, they've been hurt by not having roster continuity and some of their best lineups they haven't really played at all. Um not even just talking about like Fournier. Um but the whole complexion of the team going forward will be different, so kind of we'll see if they can I don't know, bounce back with new personnel and new lineups and familiar. Tristan Thompson hasn't been good, like, on defense. Like, the guys you thought would be, like, okay, these are, like, Grant Williams. Like, guys like that you thought would be either take a step defensively this year. It just hasn't happened. And then when your your other veterans, like Kemba and stuff, are going in the wrong direction and Tatum and Brown have so much of an onus on them where they're not the defenders you want them to be because they have to, you know, run the show offensively for – 35 minutes a night like that it creates I feel like uh, a situation where I'm not sure like they have to run and gun teams to win these games and when their three-point shot is not falling like that they're, they're not grinding out wins with defense at all this year period and to me that's a red flag because that's what Brad Stevens teams have a history of doing for the last like six seven eight years no matter what kind of crap town is on them early on this is like this is a worse defense than like the Vitor Favorani and like Tyler Zeller defense his rookie season in the, in the league, which is like, wow. Maybe yeah. That's the secret. What's Vitor up to these days? Yeah. Is, he, is he available? <laughs> one, one of the interesting things is like the Celtics under Stevens have been so good defending the three point line. And I don't know how much of that is luck, but like annually opposing three point percentages are near the bottom of the league when they play the Celtics, when teams play the Celtics. Mm-hmm. And this year, that's just not the case, right. like, at all. So how much of that is mistakes in, um, you know, not closing out to the right guy, closing too hard, closing short, um, not knowing your personnel, uh, just green players, not knowing where to be, or how much of it is luck? I mean... A lot of it certainly seems to, there seems to be at least one player on the opposing team every night who is just pulling shots out of his ass. Well, like <laughs> the that Mavs game, like the I wrote Lucas. about I wrote about Luca's three point shooting like two weeks ago, because um, he had the best three point shooting season of his month a season of his or month of his career. Um, and that was before the seven of eight or whatever it was, right? Yeah, and then like I think it was February, he was like f- high thirties or low forties or something like that. Uh, obviously a huge amount of attempts and like some of the shots he hit in that game. Um, what was that Wednesday night? I'm, I'm, oh, Tuesday night, Monday night. I forget. I remember, but like they were near mid court, like step backs with like the shot clock at two. Like it was just like, what is even happening? How is he doing this? <laughs> um, some of those shots, like you just can't do anything about it. And then when you're on offense and you shoot, whatever they, the Celtics did like four for 25 million, you're not going to win the basketball game. So I look at like situations like that. I know that's just one game out of 50 or whatever, but like, 
I don't know. Like, but, but it's not one. I mean, I mean, you just think back to like the, the Gallinari had his game. Like, remember that, that Grizzlies game, like the Anthony Melton, who's, who's awesome, by the way. But like, again, three of five for three. Him and Desmond Bain were six of nine combined. Like, I feel like every, like, and again, it's the NBA. Like, these guys are all ridiculous players. But for some reason, and like, and like you said, especially where consistently the Celtics three point defense has been in the upper tier of, 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 of the league, it seems. I don't know. It seems to me that they've get unlucky to a certain extent, at, at least at least recently. Because it happens I'll... over and over, then it's like, how much can you blame that on luck? Because this has been an issue for like a year or two of guys just going off like with thirty point nights against the Celtics, um, you know, time after time. And so I guess, and this is where if you're the front office this season, when you're looking at this from a big picture, and why the, the next twenty four games are huge, and obviously whatever happens in the playoffs is like, okay. Are we, you know, did this team just super overachieve in the bubble last year and this is what they are? Or is this year, you know, an aberration? Um, and based on what we've seen so far in just the fourth quarter struggles and just the lack of chemistry and fit amongst the core players, um, I lean more towards of like, you have to really step back and be like, what are we doing here? And you're obviously, you're going to have to, and, and a lot of these moves they're going to have to look at, it's going to be forced upon them anyway, because of the, the budget crunch for next season with Tatum's extension kicking in. And so you literally can't upgrade the current team as you have it. Unless a, you're paying a monster luxury tax bill, which I don't expect them to do, or B, if you, you have to take away a big salary from the picture, whether that's Kemba smart, et cetera. Yeah. I mean, listen, Gordon Hayward, in Charlotte this season, averaging 20 points, six rebounds, four assists, shooting 41% from three. Uh, you didn't replace him. Mm-hmm. It's the problem. <laughs> you didn't replace a borderline all-star player. And that I so that it's, it really feels almost as, as, as simple as that. You know, at least that, at least on the marquee as like what's going on with the Celtics this year. Like, like and again, and they're still a competitive team. Right, but they they have dropped down an entire notch because their third best player is not on the team anymore, and they didn't do anything to replace him until now with Evan Fournier. Who has he has he hit a shot? He hit a shot. Yeah, I don't think he's hit a three. Has he hit a three? The the Grant Williams uh, style of the beginning of his Celtics career. I think he's like three of fifteen in his Celtics career, six points uh, through two games. Um, and. Yeah, but I'm not worried about it. like that's the last thing I'm kind of worried about right now. But that's yeah. But you're gonna need that like to, to your point, Rich, in terms of like Hayward's production. Like they need to get him shots and let him do what he does to to help see if that helps everything else fall into place and including having some energy out in the defensive end to play. Period. That, yeah, that, that first game was really tough to watch. I but. felt really bad for him. Oh. Uh, because he he missed like the first five long, and then he pretty much airballed the next five. It was just a, a mental struggle, but he got out of his system. Got yeah. out of his system. I mean, with Fournier, real quick, like he's coming out of two and a half years in a extremely rigid Steve Clifford system, where there's these hard principles that some teams don't like. A lot of the, the league doesn't really follow the same rules, and the Celtics or one of them like if you watch Fournier on defense like he he messed up a couple just like real simple switches out on the perimeter 
where he stuck to his man and Marcus Smart looked at him like, what are you doing? And then <laughs> I forget who, who the ball handlers were, but on like the Pelicans and the Mavs, just like coasting into the paint and drawing backline help and then kicking out to a three or scoring a layup on their own. Like, I think some of that stuff will uh, iron itself out for sure as the season goes on and he gets more comfortable in a, in a completely different system. Um and I just like the like I see the upside of the ripple effect of having him in the lineup and having him in the rotation playing 30 plus minutes a night. Um, and yeah, I don't know, like it. I mean, it pushes Marcus Smart from taking, you know, pivotal shots in the fourth quarter of, of close games like down the list, which I think I think is important just based on how this team I guess that's like even going back to last season, guys, like the Heat series last year and how much they fell apart in all those games during crunch time. That pretty much is carried over this year. And so, like, I again, like, and Hayward wasn't on the floor or wasn't right as himself on the floor with those games. So you can kind of compare those since he was a shell of himself at that point due to the injury. So it is just like this team just doesn't as composed just doesn't make sense in those big moments. Cause that, that to me is like beyond the defense. That's the other biggest issue. It's like, like if you're just consistently falling apart in the fourth quarter of these games, or the only time you don't is when you're like rallying from 20 down really don't, you know, a, a, a comeback that really doesn't have a chance of, of getting pulled off anyway. A lot of the last couple of games against the Pelicans and the maps, like then well, I, it, it, real quick, it felt like that, that was able the comeback could have been pulled off, but once they got close, they went right back into their two passes and shoot a three. Right. That's a good point. You know what I mean? Like, like, like I feel like when, once it gets close, I, I don't know if it's just tightening up or whatever, but they played a certain way when they were coming back in those games, freer, moving the ball better running. And then again, once it got to the point where like, okay, we're within one basket or one three of, of if we're tying or taking the lead, the, it just changes. It just changes. It goes back to that stale. It said pass, pass, shoot, pass, pass, shoot. And they're just they're not going to win that way. So I have a stat in my column, which has been published while um, we started recording, since we've started recording. So I want to plug it, of course. Nice. But the Celtics have played the most games with a point differential of three or fewer points with two minutes left in the game. Mm-hmm. They're nine. They're nine and 15 in those games. From the three-point line, they are shooting – they have shot three for 22 mm. <laughs> in that span. Um, like – So smart is is old 10? <laughs> and I'm not just – I'm not even making a joke. I'm like, that's probably – we're going to have to break those down, those numbers later. But go ahead, Mike. No, but, like, I, I, I think – I like, I'm not sitting here being like the Celtics are – uh, a championship contender but i do think you know their record it just like doesn't reflect their overall point differential and like if they were the four seed um would you, like how, how different would you feel about the team even if their defensive rating and their offensive rating were exactly what they are right and as you're saying like that could be the difference between like two or three shots like Tice hits his shot against Milwaukee like a few other shots like that and all of a sudden you're looking at like you know 26 and 24 I don't know if I did the math correctly but something like that right yeah so 25 and 23 yeah um so like I I don't I don't know like I 
I, I think that the wary about this team is like a lot of it is just explainable. Like, as you said, Rich, like when you lose Gordon Hayward and you don't have the mechanism to replace him or you choose not to, like you're going to probably be a worse basketball team. And you know that Kemba's got his knee issue and that's going to impact your team. And um, like, I'm sure that they thought that they would get something out of Romeo this season. Um, I'm sure. Well, like, I don't know, like you just, if you draft Sadiq Bay over Aaron Neesmith and then you have like a guy who won uh, player of the week, um, on your team, and that would have been great. And I wanted them to draft Sadiq, but I'm still upset about it. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, like I don't even. I'm I'm kind of rambling a little bit, but like maybe the ex- expectations um, coming off of the bubble were just like so high for this team going forward, based on how far they got, and that kind of muddies how we see what we're seeing right now. But like, I don't like. I'm not. I don't know. I'm not like super crushed by how this team has performed this season well we we talked about it and 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 mike you were there for that conversation uh preseason we did like a you know 10 questions or so about about what the season would look like and the conversation was do we think the celtics are gonna even have home court advantage in the playoffs so it's not like we were coming into the season thinking like oh yeah these are title contenders we're like no this is a team that has some holes uh they're gonna be in a fight and they certainly have been and they've been losing the fight more often than not so just a little frustrating, but I don't think it would take much to turn around at least to a point of at least some more respectability, not contending, but just respectability to the point where you're not looking up at the Hornets and the Knicks and the Hawks. That's all I'm asking. For, for old time's sake, do you guys, would you guys be surprised if they beat the Philadelphia 76ers in a playoff series? Um, based on what we've seen this season, yes. But if things change in the last next 24 games, no, I wouldn't be surprised by that. Like based on based, those teams track record in the playoffs. They just have to get doc up, up three, two. I think that would be the, <laughs> that would be the plan. Uh, but yeah, I guess I, until, until the Sixers actually pull it together in the playoffs, like until, and we'll, we'll see what's the latest on Embiid, Mike. He's, is he, he's back this weekend, I believe. Right. Is that right? I think I saw that like return potentially tomorrow night, Saturday night. Um, so yeah, he's, I mean, they're in a place now where they can, all these teams can, you know, manage these guys. They're, they're locked into a top three seed. Obviously, they're going to want home court, but they can protect them as much as they want. Um, whereas and the that's Celtics, just past them, I think, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, whereas the Celtics, um, I mean, they're going to have to have their foot on the gas to make sure they're not in a playing game situation to the end. Um, so that's going to be the question. All right, guys. So looking at the schedule real quick now, uh, as we as we start to wrap this up, uh, as we said uh, tonight, Friday, Houston is in town. This is the beginning. Well, not the the, the continuation of a seven game road trip. Of, of sorry, seven game homestand. Lost the first two, obviously. Now you get five games: uh, Houston, Charlotte, Philly, Knicks, and Minnesota. What's it take? Four and one to write this ship. Because then after that, you go on the road, Denver, Portland, Los Angeles. Uh, so, you know, that, that, well, wait, that, both, that's both Los Angeles teams or no, just the Lakers. They already already did the Clippers. Oh, well, that's come on. That's a 20 point blowout. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> true. That's true. I forgot about that. Um, all right. But let's just say these next five. OK. The Sixers right, right smack dab in the middle. Um, Houston, Charlotte, then Philly, then 
Knicks T Wolves. I mean, what, what what will it take to 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 make you start to feel better about where this is headed? I th- I think it's four and one. Yeah, four and one. Because Five and zero oh is 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 maybe in the cards. It's possible. It's all about I, that Philly let, game, obviously. Let's remember though. Do you guys know how many winning streaks this team has had this season? Like period, even two games or more four. in the last two months. Yeah, I think it's like four. Like they've only won two, only two of more than two, though. Yeah, like only two of more than two. So like getting putting together two straight wins is a step <laughs> forward for this team right now. So you look at that setup, Mike. It's like Houston and Minnesota. Those are just must wins, like given everything involved right now. And then but New York, Charlotte, those are not easy games right now, even with Lamelo out for Charlotte. And we know, I mean, the the hoopla around that Sunday night game against the Hornets for a, for a random Sunday night game in March. That will be, that'll be an interesting one in terms of the storylines involved there. How about that yeah, potential I mean, playoff series? Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, well, Hornets, Hornets are like good. Yeah. Um, Like Terry Rogier is basically Damian Lillard in the fourth quarter without exaggeration. Like statistically, he's incredible. Um, Who would have thought that, that, that Danny Ainge lost that trade, huh? <laughs> yeah um it's i was looking back going back to it because it was one of the things that I, I touched on in my column but like terry Rogier averaged nine points a game in 2019 and he shot like 38 percent from the floor it was terrible like, i was complaining about him the whole year it's like who in their right mind would be like yeah let's let's pay him tw- like what was it 30 something million dollars over three years more than that no 60 60 or three years. Yeah. Um, versus the guy who just played in all 82 uh, in his prime coming off three straight all-star appearances. Like I, I don't just, I don't know. There's it's, always something about Terry though. Even when he wasn't great. I mean, he was the point guard on that team that, that took LeBron to the brink in the Eastern conference finals. No, and he had yeah. some great games. He had some, she had some horrible games in that, 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 that playoff run as well. But he always had that vibe of he's might be a guy you want in the trenches with you. Yeah, I mean he's been shooting the crap out of the ball since he left. Um, I think you know getting back to the schedule real quick before we wrap, like I think that Knicks game is uh, second night of a back to back for the Celtics right after yep. Philly. Yep. That could be tre- that could be treacherous. Like especially if they lose the Philly game. Yeah, if you lose to Philly, then what do you? I don't know that that's not going to be great. Cause like the Knicks are like not bad either. Um, and not the kind of team you want to see on the second night of a back to back. That's not like, even close to a gimme. Yeah. yeah. Um, they, they also will... kicked the crap out of the Celtics at the garden, like a couple months ago, which everyone at the time was like, Oh, it's just one game. Was that then... that dumb day game? Yeah. It's a dumb, yeah. yeah. The Sunday, the Sunday afternoon stinkers at the Celtics. DDG. I know, I know for this year. Yeah. That was coming, and that, that was that game was coming off one of their five game win streaks. Yep, one five in a row had the one had the one o'clock game on Sunday afternoon, lost by thirty, and then they went to Philly and lost both those games. Um, good times. Uh, all right, so just just to wrap up, B-Rub, you and I are at six. Pino, you're at a four. All straddling the fence as much as possible without <laughs> quite straddling it. We need Ryan on here to get an eight on here and yeah. spice it up. Guess the win, Bernardoni. What, what, what will get you up to a six, Mike? Like what, like in these next five games? What I lost the Houston? I what's think. yeah? Was it is a 
Is it like two and three the next five games? Is that when things turn? Um, or you want to wait till the playoffs? I don't know. I'm just yeah. I I, I said at the top like I think this regular season is really weird. I think the playoffs are gonna look really strange and unpredictable to people who put a lot of stock into some of the numbers that are normally predictive um, that we use to, to kind of measure the regular season. I think a lot of it is going to get thrown out the window because like we we're just like citing games from uh, throughout the season and scores, but it's like, okay, who played in that game? Who didn't play in that game? Like, wasn't that Nick's game Kemba's first game? I want to say, or it was like, second game back from the knee injury or something oh, like totally. that. Yeah. The Celtics were definitely shorthanded, very shorthanded. I think one of Tatum or Brown were in that game too. There's so much mixing and matching. You forget too. Yeah. So, cool. so I, it's going to be tough for me to budge up from four unless there's like a, an, I guess like an injury would probably do it for me. Like if Rob Williams had like a high ankle sprain, I'd pretty, I'd be pretty bummed out about everything. Um, <laughs> but if they say healthy, like, yeah, I'm, I'm fine. Let's go to the playoffs, whatever. <laughs> play-in game. Hey. The, the Cinderella story could begin from the play-in situation, depending on how this team looks in the last 24 games. All right, that will do it for us. Uh, great to have winning plays, getting back at full strength. Check Michael Pina stuff out at si.com and on the Open Floor Podcast. He's been killing it there. He's got a brand-new Southern Calm up this afternoon, so check that out. Um, Follow Rich at Rich underscore Levine. Follow the podcast feedback at Winning Plays Pod. And um, we'll be back with you guys next week to see what this group looks like um, with some potentially some some healthy bodies until up and down the rotation during this homestand.